Hello and welcome back to the All Things Leeds podcast. This is episode 81 of the All Things Leeds podcast. Uh, I'm Ed McIntyre and joining me, as always, remotely, of course, uh, is Charles Foster. Charles, hello. Hi, mate. How are you doing? I'm uh, very well, mate. How are you? It feels like we just recorded the last one of these about 20 minutes ago, but I know it was about <laughs> three days ago. It does, doesn't it? Yeah, they, they, I mean, each day is just going so, so fast at the moment. But uh, no, have you had a, you had a good week? Uh, yeah, it's been a bit of a busy work-wise, but you know, the result on Wednesday uh, helps, and in fact, we've got off game tomorrow that helps as well. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And I'm, I'm finished for Christmas now from work, so I'm, I'm happy. Nice, nice. We will, of course, be recording a, a, another podcast again before Christmas, so that will we'll leave a Christmas special until then. Uh, but no, it's it's amazing what a win, uh, Leeds United win, can do for your state of mind. I, I've been buzzing this week after Wednesday night and in this episode, we will, of course, be looking back on that uh, amazing, that awesome five-two win over Newcastle United at Ellen Road. Uh, we've got some news to dive into as well before we preview the big game uh, this Sunday. That's sees Leeds United uh, travel to Old Trafford to take on an old rival, Manchester United. Uh, an exciting show coming up here on the All Things Leeds podcast. So let's begin by analysing uh, Leeds United's epic 5-2 uh, victory over Newcastle United at Ellen Road from Wednesday night. Uh, our first home win over Newcastle for 21 years. Uh, and that was a 3-2 win on uh, September 25th, 1999. Uh, now, Charles, for me, I still think defensively we look a bit shaky, especially from set pieces. But overall, yeah. this was a much, much better performance, wasn't it? Yeah, and I think the um, Newcastle are really a really bad team. They are poor. They, they were. They were, I thought they were pretty poor throughout. I just thought that yeah. we sat a bit, you know, scrappy, and we didn't really our passes weren't connecting. There wasn't the kind of fluidity, and then we were and the chances we were getting, we were kind of been a bit worse forward than kind of reminiscent of a few games in the Championship uh, over the last couple of seasons, really. But you know, we grew into the first half, and, and uh, we, we just got better as, as the game went on. Because I thought. Other than that dodgy bit of defending for their first, I thought we were we were a pretty good old game. The obviously the set the set pieces we're going to go through them <laughs> as well. But you know we did eventually score from two of their set pieces, so that that did work out in the end. Yeah, I thought yeah. we just got, we got better as, as the game went on, especially as they tied. But I thought they were a poor team, and I think we really just managed to you know dial it up in the second half, and they couldn't really cope with us. Yeah, I, I felt as though it was a, a much better game from that West Ham performance. I feel as though we were on top. For, for pretty much all of the game, I'd say, really. As you say, Newcastle, they do look a poor side. They do look a poor side. They've not got much quality there, especially when, you know, St. Maximan is uh, is out. Uh, they don't have much quality going forward. And especially, you know, tracking back for our, you know, our late goals, tracking back, Newcastle just looked, you know, re- really tired and just really lazy, to be honest. And yeah, Steve Bruce there as their manager and his negative dinosaur tactics. Yeah, I just don't think Newcastle are, are a good side. I totally agree with you. But um, no, Leeds United were were great on the, on Wednesday night. I really, really enjoyed it. I watched it all, and I still don't know what happened. If I'm going to be honest, I don't know how how on earth that game finished five two. It was just very, very weird. And yeah, I was I was trying to watch it on Amazon Prime, but the the lag was irritating me to the point where I actually closed Amazon Prime down and went on a stream instead because it was it was lagging less on the stream. Um, so uh, yeah, I, it was it was a weird game. It, we were just watching it throughout. I didn't really know how it was going to end. The goal I celebrated the most was Stuart Dallas's goal because that's the goal I felt won the game. 
because I, I didn't think we'd throw it away again. Although there was, a, I think it was a one or two corners when we were three two up where I was a little bit worried. <laughs> but generally, I was three two was the one I was. I, that was the goal. I was thought, right, we've we've done this now. Yeah. No. Well, I, I didn't. I didn't celebrate properly until that Jack Harrison goal. To be honest, when I knew that we were we were three goals ahead with two minutes of normal time to go. That's when I could relax because being a Legion United fan, you know, we, we, we know anything can happen, don't we? You know, especially when you look back at that Cardiff game from last season, that still haunts me. So, uh, so no, I, I wasn't relaxing until that Jack Harrison goal went in. But, um, but no, uh, yeah, you know, when we started getting the third and fourth goal, yeah, it, it was, you know, you know, again to that time where you're thinking, yeah, I think I think we've got this in the bag, really. Uh, but no, naturally, as you say, you know, every time you know we conceded a corner or set piece, you were quite nervous <laughs> heading into that. Um, but no, an unchanged lineup from that two-one defeat uh, to West Ham uh, at home. Are we surprised to see it as a as an unchanged lineup? Not really, because we know what else is like when it comes to uh, you know uh, keeping things fairly consistent. These lineups, unless someone's injured or having an extremely bad run of form, then. The team tends to stay as it is. I think we've seen that with Costa. He's had a quite a bad run of form, so he's been kind of dropped out of the squad. And Bielsa confirmed in his press conference that Costa is even injured. He's just not in the yeah. squad. That's interesting, isn't yeah. it? Helder Costa not involved in the 18-man squad at all, which I I find really bizarre and interesting, to be honest. Yeah, so we we know what he's like with um with, with sticking to sticking to the team he knows and I think he I think as you mentioned before we started recording, he's a big fan of that Bamford, Rafinha and Rodrigo kind of you know trio I, I think they all link up really well and I think they're causing they will cause a lot of damage if we give them the opportunities to and if we keep solid enough at the back which we'll get on to in a minute but uh, yeah the, the lineup I was I, I wasn't I wasn't surprised it stayed the same although I was a little bit surprised to see Struik maybe not get any kind of hint of a, a start you'd think he'd be he'd be coming in but mm. I know both him and Cooper are left-footed and Bielsa likes left-footed centre-halves on the left-hand side right-footed centre-halves on the right-hand side and I thought Although Luke Ayling was extremely questionable from set pieces throughout the game, I thought when he was actually on the ball, I thought he was one of the better players in the team. I thought he was really good at driving forward. So I can understand why he's kept it the same there. Yeah, yeah. I, I was not too surprised to see it unchanged. You know, we know we know how Bielsa works, really. I, I agree with you. I feel as though it would have been nice to just see Struick maybe get a chance, you know, with the fact that we're so shaky at set pieces. But no, we're unchanged. And yeah, the right call. We were really good. I mean, I just say the slow start from Leeds United, really. But Newcastle really didn't do anything from our slow start. Uh, we grew into the game, started creating chances. Click had that really good opportunity, didn't he, on 17 minutes where the ball whizzed across the face of goal and it was inches away from just a time happened but uh yeah just missed the ball uh but Newcastle did of course take the lead though on 26 minutes uh Ryan Fraser uh on the left crossing the ball uh, into Callum Wilson who flicked on the header uh to the back post uh, to win and Mark Jeff Hendrick to uh to tap it in and yeah I feel as though this was a really poor goal to concede here Charles it, it was Paul closing down on uh I think it was uh Jamal Lewis and um and Ryan Fraser Paul marking on Callum Wilson and Jeff Hendrick, who was uh, you know marked, and Callum Wilson got a free header uh, to flick the ball on, and uh, yeah, just a, overall, just a poor goal to concede, really. Yeah, there was there was a lot of things wrong with it. Clicks not closing down Lewis fast enough when he's trying to make the cross. He's not he's nowhere near him. He needs to be well within three yards. He was, he was at least three yards away from him. You can't allow a striker in, in as good form as Callum Wilson to just drift in at the near post and become you know it wasn't completely unmarked, but he was effectively unmarked. Because by the time he, he was getting to head it, it, there was no challenge for anybody. And mm. Alioski's out of position because he should be covering the back post. There should be somebody there. 
but they're not. And it's just a it's a bad goal to concede because they hadn't really offered anything in that game up until that point. And they 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 stole the ball in midfield and scored within about a minute. And it was just a bit of a you know kind of body blow. It was a bit a little bit gutting, but um, we rectified it, so it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we certainly did. But no, it, it was it was a. Yeah, a poor and frustrating goal to concede, really, because at that point, you know, we were creating a lot of chances. We were kind of, a, you know, the better team uh, up to that point. But Newcastle just just nicked a goal, and it was so easily avoidable, really. And uh, yeah, you can definitely see the areas that need tying out. You know, close down quicker and just mark people. You know, just, just get on people. You know, but um, you know, a, a poor goal to concede. But yeah, as you say, we did rectify it. Uh, we scored the equalizer on thirty five minutes. Uh, click here, sending the ball out to Rafinha on the right, uh, who crossed it in with Rodrigo headed. Uh, the ball, it hit the post, and then Bamford was there to head in the rebound. Um, now, it's, it's easy finish for Bamford here, but it's great to see Bamford in the right place at the right time. And, you know, if it was any other striker, people would be praising him, saying, oh, look at him in right place at the right time. What a, what a pivotal striker he is. But, you know, I think at times last season, Bamford wouldn't have been in that position. So it's great to see him, you know, there anticipating a rebound and, you know, heading it home. Yeah, when we talked about that uh, that trio earlier, it's a it's a perfect cross from Rafinha to find Rodrigo. It really it's a really good flick on header to try and catch. Is it Depravka? De, uh, De yeah, Depravka off his line because um, I think he if you watch the as Rodrigo goes up to head it, the keeper comes off his line and moves forward a couple of yards, which means he has he's got to track back much further, and that's why he doesn't quite manage to tip it over, which leads to the chance. Um, and yeah, it's great being in the right place. Bamford and good reactions to make sure he gets there before either centre halves do. He's he's aware of the of the possibility to score. So yeah, it was good. It was great. It's nice to see Bamford on like nine goals already. It's, I think he's like yeah. third. Is he joint third top scorer in the league? No, well he's joint fifth highest with Harry joint Kane, fifth. who's also got nine goals this season. But you know, nine goals nine for Patrick goals. Bamford so far this season after thirteen games. It's insane, and all nine of the goal of those goals as well have come from open play, uh, more than any other Premier League player. He's just having a phenomenal season, isn't he? Yeah, I think he's. Um, I think he's kind of embraced it. I think he's just coming to the league with the points to prove, and I think he's really putting the chances away when he's when he's getting them for the most part. Yeah, he's found his level now. Yeah, it's insane, and you know it is surprising me because I I thought Bamford was. You know, when Rodrigo came in, I thought Bamford was out of the team, but no, he's 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 keeping Rodrigo, Spanish number nine striker. Bamford's keeping that number nine shirt away from Rodrigo. Rodrigo's having self in number ten. Uh, you know, it's amazing stuff from Bamford. It really, really isn't. You know, hopefully he keeps it up. He, you know, he's got confidence. He's he's carrying momentum, and yeah, just just hopefully he keeps on the keeps on um scoring the goals. And I, I was saying as well while watching the game uh, to my dad. You know, it, it must be a big difference, you know, having Rodrigo there. You know, Rodrigo, the Spanish number nine, it's given Bamford a kick up the arse saying, look, if I want to start, I need to be at the top of my game. And then, you know, seeing Rodrigo in training and, you know, he, he must be learning a lot of stuff from him. Well, yeah, maybe so. But I think uh, that little bit more, just the way we've added the quality to the team and and, um, and kind of, a, and you know, enhanced the whole, you know, some of its parts. I think it really help, is helping Bamford. And I think he's... He's kind of he's kind of embraced how many more you know kind of flick ons and chances he can create, and he knows he can trust the the three players behind him to find him because they regularly do. Um, as we were saying um, before, this was out recording. Jack Harrison wasn't having a particularly great game first half, but you know he's managing to uh, link up really well with uh, with Rodrigo to to put us two one up in later in the game. And it's just it's great to have, he's got them three players of, of really high quality behind him that he he knows will will find him at some point. Yeah. 
Yeah, we, we, we have a really good attack now, and it's uh, fantastic stuff to see. Uh, Bamford is now uh, also uh, the all-time top-scoring player in Bielsa's managerial career with 35 uh, goals. And uh, that goal as well was scored in the 35 minute of the game, uh, which is uh, <laughs> quite amazing. But um, no, Bamford, is, he's having a phenomenal season and uh, hopefully you can keep it up. Uh, but of course, one all at halftime, uh, Leeds should have been well ahead uh, with the chances we've created. 14 shots in that first half alone. Uh, yeah, we just weren't clinical enough. We, we could have easily been, you know, 5-1 five, five ahead at halftime easily. Uh, but, you know, as I say, overall, much, much better. Uh, heading into the second half, uh, Newcastle penalty shouts on the 55th minute for them. Uh, there was a VAR check on Liam Cooper's challenge on uh, Wilson in the box. Uh, Kevin Friend, the uh, video referee, said no penalty. Do you think that that was the uh, right call, Charles? The problem is, is that the zoomed-in angle of it, you know, when they were trying to do the slow-mo, was from behind where the challenger was coming from, so you can't really see whether or not he gets the man or the ball first. Because I think he does get a good chunk of the ball, but I don't know whether he gets the man first or not. It, it's, a, it's a questionable one. If I was a Newcastle fan, I'd probably want that to be given. As a Malays fan, I'm biased. I don't want it to be given. <laughs> Under the current rules, it probably should have been given. Yeah. But, you know, we, we've, had, we've had VAR uh, calls go against us, and the Palace one comes to mind. So, you know, it is swings and roundabouts. You are going to get screwed over, and you are, you are going to get a helping hand now and again. But yeah, I couldn't. I could You can't really tell from the angle um, what he gets first. I, I think he does. Yeah. He does get the ball, but whether or not he gets it first or second, I don't know. Yeah, I, I feel as though we were quite fortunate that this wasn't a penalty. F- for me, I don't think Liam Cooper does get the ball. I just think he kicks Callum Wilson's leg. I think the reason why it wasn't given was because Callum Wilson was already going down. He wasn't in control of the ball. He had already lost the ball before Liam Cooper made contact. And I think that's that's the reason why it wasn't given. But, you know, there's definitely contact there from Liam Cooper on Callum Wilson. And I feel, I think we were fortunate that it wasn't a penalty. But, you know, as you say, swings and roundabouts, you know, the 50-50 calls really, they can go either way. I think if it was given against us, we can, you know, kind of accept it. But... Uh, you know, if we, yeah, as you say, if we were Newcastle fans, we'd be fuming at that. Uh, but of course, Leeds United took the lead on 61 minutes. Uh, Rodrigo sprained the ball out to Jack Harrison on the left. Fantastic first touch on the sweat on the uh, stretch from Jack Harrison. Good cross into Rodrigo and Rodrigo, uh, heading home. Really good he- header from Rodrigo. And uh, yeah, this was a really nice goal, wasn't it? Yeah, it's Rodrigo kind of pings it out to Harrison, but he, he hits it with, I think, too, a little bit too much force. But Harrison managed to bring it down like on the tip of his boot, which is, you know, a superb touch. And then it's kind of, it's a it's a volleyed cross. And then a kind of diving uh, Van Persie-esque at the, um, the World Cup kind of header, which I, I, they're always the great to see their medals, to be fair. You don't see them very often, but it, it was brilliant. And it was just, you know, diving header in the far corner, 2-1 up and it was, I had, I had hope again. And then it was shattered nearly immediately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty, pretty much immediately. Of course, Newcastle equalised on their 66 minutes. Uh, two corners in a row, this was. They scored from the second corner. Kevin Clark uh, heading home uh, here, uh, jumping highest. And yeah, it, it just highlights again that we are poor from set pieces and they still need working on. Yeah, it came from the fact that we got a corner from Bamford forcing a save out of the Bravka. Uh, Philip, I think, tried a short corner, which, as I've said many times on this podcast, and to you personally, I absolutely despise short corners. I think they're pointless and I think they don't work. Uh, then he gives the ball away. They they pretty much run the length of the pitch and Wilson forces a really good save from Meslier, who palms it over the bar. First corner we kind of deal with, but we had end up giving another one away. And the second one is just, it's just bad. It's... It's Luke Haley not challenging for a header. He can't be winning. 
he's winning, he's winning the header from a, a decent way out as well. I don't think Bezier re- reacts quick enough from the corner either. I think it's, it's kind of a comedy of errors, really. And it goes in and it, it's a completely deserved, um, you know, equal, oh, sorry, completely undeserved equaliser, I should say. In the in the post match, they they were interviewing Ryan Fraser. I was watching it on the um, on Twitter, I think. They, you know, and he was saying, "Oh yeah, we did we didn't deserve to lose that game five 2 I was just thinking, and then Steve Bruce is going, "Oh yeah, we gave really poor goals away." It's like, did you see the goals that we gave away? How poor they were? Yeah, you didn't have to, didn't have to work hard for it. I say, this, yeah, I was really confused a... after the game. People saying up until you know the last ten minutes, it was a Steve Bruce masterclass. It wasn't. They scored two goals because of errors from us, really. They scored a lucky goal. Their first goal was just poor errors from us. It came out absolutely nowhere. Their second goal was just a set piece. We're poor at set pieces. They scored two goals because we're poor at, you know, defending against those type of goals. You know, there weren't there weren't anything special, you know. And, and, and Newcastle were awful all night. I was so confused when people were saying that, you know, you know, up until the last 10 minutes, Newcastle were, were good. They weren't. We, we were miles the better team. Newcastle will do what they always do, which is be awful and try and grab undeserved points, <laughs> which they've done quite successfully. Recently, yeah, but yeah, not 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 on Wednesday night. Yeah, I mean, I must have admitted when when that equaliser went in, I was thinking we're going to drop two points here. Now this this is it. We've you know poor from set pieces. You know it's going to cost us again. But now luckily we did go ahead again on their seventy seven minutes. Uh, click here, floating a lovely ball into the box, uh, finding Dallas, making a run unmarked. And uh, yeah, he headed in the back of the net at the back post to make it a uh, 3-2. Lovely goal there. Uh, and then we saw Leeds United make their first substitution of the game on the 82nd minute. Uh, Rodrigo being replaced by Pablo Hernandez. And then after that soon, uh, followed uh, Tyler Roberts being replaced, uh, replacing, I should say, uh, Patrick Bamford. Um, and then the floodgates opened, essentially. Uh, two quick counter counter-attacking goals. Uh, the first one coming on the 85th minute. Uh, a classic counter-attacking goal from Leeds. Phillips setting Rafinha away. Uh, he gives the ball to Hernandez on his right. He finds Alioski and he uh, fires the ball into the roof of the net to make it 4-2. This was an awesome counter-attacking goal, Charles. Yeah, just to deal with the third one first, the uh, the defending from Newcastle at the back post was, it was even worse than ours. I mean, Stuart Dallas literally floats in on his own, within about five yards of space all around him, and just nods in at the back post. It's that <laughs> shock. I'd be, I'd be furious if we considered yeah. that goal. Even it, it is a good ball. From well, we kind of did really. Someone Jeff Hendricks' goal here in this game. That he, he wasn't marked at the far post. He wasn't complete. Alioski was at least within a few yards of him. Uh, Stuart Dallas was mm. complete. Uh, and there was no one anywhere near him. He just literally ran at the back post. <laughs> I think it was Sean Longstaff supposed to be marked him. Just left him completely. Um, yeah, the fourth goal was was good winning the ball by Phillips and obviously gets up to Rafinha. And it, it is a great counter-attack, but it's um, I saw a lot of new Castle fans are mourning that they're, you know, they're, they're defending for that goal. I was just like, well, first of all, we are the fittest team in the league and we did run the length of the pitch in the, what was it, the 82nd or 83rd minute we scored that goal. And um, so the fact that a team, a Steve Bruce team, can't keep up with us physically doesn't surprise me in the slightest. And when when I saw them queuing up to take the shot, it was um, I think Click was offside, so he left it. But it was either Alioski or Harrison who were going to take the shot. <laughs> Harrison was fuming that Alioski took the shot. You can see it when you watch the, if you watch the goal back, you watch Harrison. He's, he's livid that Alioski takes the shot. Yeah. <laughs> but I thought if we don't score from this position, it's just a joke. That'd <laughs> be the absolute XG nightmare. <laughs> it's like <laughs> five. Five on two, completely unmarked, blast into the start. <laughs> the kind of thing we would do. 
I mean, it's kind of thing Alioski would do. He he seems to have no composure in front of goal, but <laughs> no, good good finish from here from Alioski here, and um, yeah, really pleasing to finish that move off counter attacking in the eighty fifth minute, and you know from their corner as well. We defended their corner quite well, and then counter attack from there, which is quite pleasing. That you know that's kind of rectifying the set piece problems, you know, and I, and hopefully that makes the players think, all right, if we defend from set pieces now properly, we can go ahead and score. So hopefully that happens a lot more often. Of course, happened later on in the game, but, um, you know, really good counter-attacking goal. And I say five versus two in the 85th minute. You know, ridiculous having all these pundits saying Leeds United are looking tired. You know, if we really were tired, Newcastle are lucky because it could have easily been 10 versus 2 then. Uh, you know, 5v2 in the 85th minute, it's just incredible stuff from Leeds United. Um, and then the uh, the other great counter-attacking goal came on the uh, 88th minute. Uh, again, from a Newcastle corner, uh, Jack Harrison's played through by Pablo Hernandez. And uh, yeah, Jack Harrison picks the ball up in his own half, runs and runs and runs, and uh, finishes absolutely brilliantly. Absolute, you know, thunderbolt from outside the box, finding the top right-hand corner of the net. It was a beautiful goal, Charles. Yeah, it, it was great stuff. And it, obviously, Hernandez releases him again, but he only releases him as, as far as the halfway line. He has to do the rest of him, the rest of the run himself. And it looks like he's got, you know, basically no support. And he's going to have to go into his own. I think he recognises that. And I think he, he was also, him and Rafinha were both desperate to get a goal in the game. Rafinha was unlucky to not, not to get one in the, in the first half particularly. But yeah, I think Harrison was... You know, thinking about the Alioski one, which he could have had, and saw his chance and thought, "I'll give it a go for me." I was, I think, it was it thirty yards he hit at him. It was, it was an absolute beauty right in the top. Completely unsavable as well. I don't think there's a keeper that could have saved that one. Even some of the better keepers in the world, I don't think, could have saved that one. But it was a, it was a beauty, and a, yeah, I'm pleased for him because uh, I, I thought he was. You know, frankly, I thought he was poor in the first half. I thought he was, you know, not really, not really doing much. And I thought he was, you know, a lot of the play was, was breaking down down his side. He, he wasted a couple of good opportunities to square it. Uh, but yeah, he was much better in the second half. Got his assist, got his goal, and uh, redeemed himself somewhat. Yeah, redeemed himself for the uh, the poor performances over the past few weeks, really. And uh, been really pleasing to see Jack Harrison uh, scoring here. Uh, was this your favourite goal of the game? Was this your pick of a bunch? No. Uh, I, like, I like the Rodrigo one. That's my favourite. <laughs> yeah, and that quite a nice build. It's a lovely strike, but yeah, I, I really like team goals. And uh, yeah, that Rodrigo one, you know, Rodrigo whipping the ball at Jack Harrison. I, I, I'm a brilliant cross. I'm a sucker for a diving. I'm a sucker for a diving header, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, I, I like a diving header. yeah, plenty of headers in this game as well. Five out of seven goals. Four out of seven goals were headers. Rodrigo, Bamford's, Kieran Clark's for Newcastle. I think it's just three, I think. And Dallas. Oh, Dallas, yeah, four, sorry, four. Yeah. So four, four out of seven goals in this game, all headers. Um, been a really pleasing to see Jack Harrison score. But yeah, I, I agree with you. Rodrigo won, I much prefer, but no, this was a absolute peach of a goal. Definitely goal of a, goal of a season contender. Um, and how instrumental as well was Pablo Hernandez when he came on, you know, for the last 10 minutes, comes on on the 82nd minute and then assists two goals. You know, he, he's still got it, hasn't he, Pablo Hernandez? He's got it in them 10-minute bursts and that's all we need him for. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm, I was. Well, I have been pleased to see him because I think we've we've kind of missed his uh, his impact off the bench in recent weeks, and I think he is the perfect person to replace Rodrigo in a game when when Rodrigo's tiring or uh, pushing. You probably replace Rafinha in a game or um, something like that, and they come on on the wing. I thought, although I think he's be better off just you know replacing Rodrigo when he gets tired. But yeah, in the future, I, I would love to see him you know make more 10, 15 minute cameos off the bench and, and punish a tired side. Yeah. Yeah, I, I thought he, he changed the game for us going forward, really, especially on those counter-attacks. Uh, 
so yeah, Leeds United returning to winning ways here. Our first home win over Newcastle for 21 years. Uh, who was the man of the match for you in this game? I know people are going to disagree with me with this, and I know you personally are going to disagree with me, <laughs> disagree with me for, the, uh, for this, but I honestly think Rafinha, I thought he was brilliant the whole game. I thought he was really good. I, I thought Rodrigo was, was brilliant as well. I know, I think you're, you're, you're going with Bamford, aren't you? And I think Bamford was great as well. There was that at one point, I think, was it the 80th minute where Bamford's running back over the halfway line and, and you know, slide tackles the ball into, into the stand. Did you see that? Yeah, it was, it was great, wasn't it? And it, I think it was a Leeds throwing as well. It was, it was pretty much a perfect challenge, which is strange from a striker because normally they botch their challenges. Uh, but yeah, that, that was great. That was great stuff. But yeah, for me, Rafinha, I just, I love, he's a great player to watch. We've yeah. not had a, what is what I hoped Kurt Costa would be, you know, that kind of properly exciting. Every time he touches the ball, you have no idea what's going to happen kind of player. Mm. So, um, and I thought he was, in the first half especially, I thought he was our best player. Yeah, I thought Rafinha was, was really good in this game. I agree with you. I love watching Rafinha play. He, he, he's just an exciting player to watch. And, you know, him linking up well with Jack Harrison, Rodrigo and, you know, Bamford. Yeah, he's just really, really good to see. Uh, Rafinha was in my uh, Man of the Match poll on Twitter. I put out a poll uh, after each Leeds United win, asking uh, Leeds fans for their Man of the Match. And uh, the four nominations were pa- uh, Patrick Bamford, Rodrigo, Jack Harrison and Rafinha. Jack Harrison won the poll by... Uh, a landslide, 40.6%. Uh, Patrick Bamford came in at second with 281 uh, Only 18.8% who voted uh, voted for Rafinha agreed with you, and then 12.5% voted for Rodrigo. Uh, so yeah, Jack Harrison, definitely good. Uh, I think he, he, he kind of won that man of a match because of an assist and, and a, a thunder strike, really. I, I think that's the reason why he's won that. But uh, yeah, for me, Patrick Bamford, I thought Patrick Bamford was superb. Again, Patrick Bamford. I can't remember the last time Patrick Bamford had a really, really poor game. I can, I can, you know, I, I can remember all you know the missed chances that day that Patrick Bamford's missed and that he probably should have scored. But in terms of everything else that he does, I can't remember the last time Patrick Bamford had a had an awful, awful game. I think he does his job superbly, and yeah, he may not get him a score sheet every single game, but. No, I, I, I'm, I think Patrick Bamford. You know what he offers for team. I think is is superb, and I'm so glad that he got his goal in this game to make it ninth of the season. I, I thought Patrick Bamford was really good, but no, going forward, it was just superb from Leeds United. Really, really good stuff. Five different goal scorers. Uh, yeah, great, great stuff. Uh, we just need to work on on defending and, and defending that set pieces. Uh, but no, good win here. Uh, we leapfrogged uh, Newcastle to move into 13th place in the Premier League table uh, on goal difference. Uh, we won uh, now on 17 points, uh, eight points above the relegation zone. And I feel so much better after that. We, we can relax a bit now, you know, for, for a while. That that was just a much needed victory, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Um, we, we There was a bit of worry, especially after the West Ham game. Where we, we, we played badly against a team that weren't great. And West Ham weren't great at all. Uh, we just allowed them to score two poor goals and we were poor ourselves. Um, but... Yeah, it does. It alleviates a bit of the worries. We fundamentally we can't forget that the job is to get to forty points, and we're nearly halfway there. We're one win away from halfway, the halfway point. So um, we just need to pick up the wins where we can against the teams around us. So wins against Newcastle, they're great, but we uh, we do need to push on now. If we can get anything from uh, tomorrow's game, I know we're going to discuss that shortly, and then I think that'll be a great result. Although I fully. I don't, I don't expect us to get beat, but you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we got beat given the amount of money that's rolling around in that in, in Scum's team. 
I, I, it wouldn't surprise me whatsoever if we were to get beat. But I think if we to get anything from that, that'd be a good result, and then we can move on, and we can um, yeah. of the of the you know kind of Christmas New Year period, we can pick up a few points, then we'll we'll be in a good position. I think, as we always say, there are definitely three worse teams in this league than us. Sheffield United are way worse. Uh, honestly <laughs> Sheffield United are on course to finish the season on 2.6 points <laughs> which would be brilliant which, which which would absolutely smash Derby's record to be fair if you're going to break a record break it by a mile <laughs> break it by a mile <laughs> um, yeah West Brom just, we're going to we're going to about negative dinosaur Steve Bruce West Brom have just hired negative dinosaur extraordinaire Sam Allardyce <laughs> so I look forward to see what he's going to do with them Burnley are probably going to be down there as well. They're pretty poor. There, 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 are, there are teams in this league that are worse than us. There's, yeah. there's definitely teams. I think honestly, I think Newcastle are worse than us. I'm honestly amazed that they've got managed to get 17 points at the same time. I think they've had slightly easier games than us, but even still, they've been they they were shocking. Yeah, they really were. Yeah, I, I completely agree. We are better than Newcastle. We beat them 5-2. We, of course, are better than Newcastle. Um, but no, yeah, I, we, as I said last week, we're, we're fine. We're fine. As I said in the last episode, we're, you know, we will be fine this season. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but yeah, hopefully we can build on. We, of course, move on to the uh, Manchester United game uh, away this Sunday. Uh, we'll preview that match later on in the show. <laughs> Well, straight into the news now then, and the uh, Premier League have voted uh, against the introduction of five substitutions for the third time. Uh, Leeds United are one of those clubs who voted against uh, the introduction of five substitutions. Uh, Charles, what are, are your overall thoughts on all this? I'm pleased. I am pleased <laughs> because I think five substitutions benefits clubs with you know huge squads. And I don't yeah. think it's necessary. And I think the same Premier League teams that are whinging about having too many games should try playing 50 games in the Championship, <laughs> three <laughs> games a week. I, I, it's, yeah. it's laughable, to be honest. Yeah, the, I'm, I'm, I am pleased. Uh, the, Bielsa apparently guided Leeds' uh, viewpoint on this. He basically said to the club, oh, we, I, I want us to vote against it because if you're allowed five subs, then fitness isn't as important a factor in the game, which it isn't really. If you can, if you can replace nearly half your team off your bench, then it's not. Yeah, you don't. We'd have to keep everybody in good, good shape, do you? So, um, yeah, I'm pleased you get voted down. The the three subs rules existed for about um up until the up until I think it was up until the 90s. You only allowed one sub, <laughs> so then it, then it jumped to three, and now they wanted to jump it up to five. It's just it makes no sense. It's just going to be abused yeah. by by people uh, who want yeah. to uh, you know slow games down and bring players on and and just you know drag things out. Yeah, I mean, free subs is all I've known in football and it's worked fine. It's worked fine. There's no need to change it, in my opinion. And, you know, I agree with you. I think it's unfair if you make it five subs. I think it's unfair on the, uh, you know, the, you know the, the lower league teams, really. I think it's just a big advantage for the big clubs with plenty of strength and depth because they can go and change almost half of their uh, of their team in the late stage of the game to try and win it, you know. So I, I do think it, it's probably unfair on some teams, you know, if you don't have a strength in depth like us, you know. And then uh, yeah, I think it's a bit unfair on those teams, as you say. If it was five substitutions, and then fitness is just not as important. Then and Bielsa, as you know, as he's mentioned, uh, really does, um, you know, really does value the you know the fitness of of players. And you know, we see it. We are definitely the fittest team in the league. Um, and yeah, the, the people who have been complaining, you know, the likes of Jurgen Klopp at Liverpool and Pep Guardiola at Manchester City, saying that they've been, you know, been wanting five subs. You know, they weren't even using all three of their subs. Jurgen Klopp's been been playing like his his first Premier League starting eleven in 
meaningless, you know, dead rubber European games where yeah. he doesn't need to win them. So, yeah. and then he's moaning about but, his players getting tired. Those are games where you can just rotate players and it's simple. It's fine, you know? You can't play your first strongest 11 in every single game. And no one does that. You know, we didn't We didn't feel that strongest side against Hull, you know, in the cup early I'm, in the season. Rotation <laughs> is just part of the game. Yeah, rotation <laughs> is just part of the game. Uh, you know, so yeah, just just rotate players if you think that's designed. It's simple as that. But uh, yeah, you know, Klopp and Pep they weren't making all freeze death substitutions in in games anyway. And Liverpool have just beaten Tottenham Hotspur two one to go to the top of the league, and they used no subs in that game. So their argument has nothing to it. You know, they've got no proof as to say you know why five substitutions need to be put in place. There's 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 you know. No, no argument for it, really. They're not even using the subs they've got. Yes. Yeah, you know, this, they're, they're saying all about, you know, the fixture congestion, but fixtures have always been congested like this, especially around Christmas time. And the TV companies want the big, big games on, on TV. And, you know, it's been like that, you know, all the time. You know, you just accept it and, you know, move on. There's, yeah, there's, there's no need really to make it five subs. And, yeah, I'm really glad that the Premier League has voted against it. I, I think it, yeah, it, it just, it takes the piss, really, with, with five subs, to be honest. Um, now, despite voting against the introduction of five substitutions, uh, Premier League clubs have voted uh, to introduce permanent concussion substitutions uh, with a maximum of two per team in each match. Uh, so the new rule means that permanent substitutions can be made uh, if a player suffers a head injury, even if all replacements uh, have been used. Uh, and to avoid a potential abuse of the rules, so say, you know, faking a head injury just to you know make a sub uh, opposition teams will be will be able to make a change at the same time so uh yeah that that kind of makes you not want to fake a head injury to to try get a fourth or fifth substitution uh the premier league has said that it hopes to start the uh, permanent concussion substitution trials uh from january um, and i quite chuckled at that line in the article to be honest because it kind of makes it seem like the premier league's hoping for some head injuries in january um <laughs> yeah, yeah but also why are they changing rules mid-season um i know it's an important yeah. rule because it's you know it's, it's head injuries and it's concussions and it is important because i think is it uh jan vertonghen's uh just uh done an article recently so where he said he suffered from the effects of a concussion he received uh for, for months afterwards and he, he couldn't he couldn't play properly especially as a center half and it was only the basically you know football ending the lockdown which allowed him to recover properly so uh i do understand that but you know the the handball rules already changed once this season <laughs> they're going to change the substitution rules in january as well it just seems they should probably get the all the rule changes done yeah. in between seasons no, I, I think I think with the concussion rule, if it, all right, if they were going to five substitutions, then I think yes, do that. You know, in between seasons in the summer, but I, I think with a, you know permanent concussion substitutions, you know, I, I think just get that in as soon as no, possible. That's not great. It is important. I, I, I do, I, I do understand that it's just with the with the, the rules changing all the time. in The Premier League, it's just a bit yeah. strange. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm not I, saying I, I disagree with them changing January. Yeah, yeah, I, I understand that. I just think, you know, this this is a lot more serious and yeah, yeah, is, yeah. just implement course, it yeah. as soon as possible, really, because player safety is the most important thing and head injuries need to be assessed properly. You know, we've seen it so many times where a player gets a head injury, the downfield little while, the, you know, the, the, you know, physio, you know, holds a few fingers up and says, oh, how many fingers am I holding up? They'll save a number, but like, all right, you're not concussed. You can play on, you know, despite them having a nasty clash of heads. <laughs> you know, you can say you know, we saw it a few weeks ago. Val Jimenez and David Luiz had a nasty clash of heads. Val Jimenez got a surgery on a fractured skull while David Luiz just played on in the game. 
And I was just thinking, like, how can one guy get a fractured skull and then the next guy not even, you know, get concussed and he's able to play on? You know, that doesn't make sense to me. So I think, yeah, I think any head injuries need to be assessed properly. In rugby, if you get a head injury, you go off for 10 minutes and get assessed properly. Whereas in football, you know, they're down for, you know, a couple of minutes and then they get back up. And if they can walk straight, then they're fine. You know, I feel as though it's not being looked at properly. And I feel as though this is a step in the right direction. Get concussions treated properly and looked at. You know, if a player, you know, gets head injury, you know, is bleeding a lot or, you know, is concussed, as I say, they need to they need to be taken off. And uh, yeah, I feel as though this is definitely a, a good rule that needs to be put in place. It, it just seems like they could have done it last summer, though. It's not like this is a new problem. Yeah. I'm... I'm just, I don't want to come across like I'm, you know, in favour of people getting head injuries and staying on the pitch because I'm absolutely not. I'm just saying that they could have changed the rule in the summer last summer because they, yeah, they've absolutely. been aware of it for a while. Yeah, I mean, this rule could have been put in place years ago, you know, years ago. It's yeah. been a problem for, for many years. And uh, yeah, it, it, it's great that they're finally getting around to, to introducing this rule. I think it's, uh, yeah, very, uh, you know, very good to, to introduce this rule, 100%. And it is also worth noting uh, that the number of top flight players allowed to be on the bench now has increased from seven to nine. And that comes into effect this weekend, which will be interesting. Uh, you know, of course, when... Good news for Elder Costa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, he's finally going to get the bench again. Um, but no, yeah, it's great that they voted, that they voted against five subs, but it's great that they're introducing the uh, permanent concussion substitutions rule. Um, yeah, hopefully concussions will be taken a lot more seriously now. Uh, well, moving on in other news, uh, Jurgen Klopp, Liverpool manager, has uh, won the FIFA Men's Coach of the Year award at uh, this year's uh, Best Awards, beating uh, Bayern Munich manager Hansi Flick and uh, Marcel Bielsa to the awards. Back to back awards now for Jurgen Klopp, the first ever manager to do that. Uh, so, of course, big congratulations to him and well done to him. Uh, now, Charles, despite Bielsa not winning the awards, you know, to, to even just be nominated and be named as one of the three finalists, essentially, you know, meaning that he's one of the top three coaches in world football, it's a well-earned achievement in itself, isn't it? Yeah, it's great, great stuff. Yeah, I'm sure he he wouldn't have any complaints about either Klopp or Flick winning it. I think uh, the fact that Flick didn't didn't win it, given he basically won everything it was possible to win, is a bit is a bit strange that he even yeah. Klopp won. I think even Klopp even pointed that out in his speech. He was like, he was surprised to win. Uh, I was surprised he won it, to be honest. Yeah, so uh, but yeah, it was, it was great to see the manager of Leeds United in in, in a final of a best coach in the world, in the world award. If someone had told you that a few years ago, you'd have laughed in their face, and rightly yeah. so. Yeah. <laughs> but, it really is. Yeah, it really is amazing. But it, but it's um, yeah, it's great to see him being being recognised. I think that's the most because you feel like sometimes as a as a Leeds fan, you we kind of see the the poetry and the the kind of the beauty of Bielsa and the of the football he creates and the culture he creates at the club and everyone else kinds of completely misinterprets it or doesn't understand and you get a lot you get a lot of these interactions on twitter and online where people just don't get it these, these people are going out well if he was offered the right money he'd go straight to a big club it's like you know he wouldn't and you, you don't you don't <laughs> these people that know nothing about the type of manager he is and the type of person he is it's just sometimes you feel like other people kind of miss the miss the magic whereas having him recognized like this is a is a good example of, of uh, seeing that other people do appreciate what he's done for the club as well yeah yeah, 100%. I mean, of course, he got recognised by winning the uh, FIFA Fair Play Award last year. Uh, so, yeah, he, he's already won one that, award that, from that, FIFA. That was, that, that was for like a singular incident, though. That wasn't like a, mm. a general coaching award. That was just uh, yeah. <laughs> a very, very strange set of circumstances. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, no, yeah, as you say, you know, to, 
for him just to finally be recognised, you know, as you know, you know, as being you know one of the best coaches for the job he's done at Leeds, yeah, it's 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 great to for that to finally happen. You know, as we said in the last episode, Bielsa does deserve to be named amongst the best coaches in world football. You know, for the incredible job he's done at Leeds United. As I said last week yeah, in the last episode, taking a team that finished thirteenth in the Championship to playoff semi finalist finalist the following season to then winning the championship by 10 points, returning Leeds United to the top flight for the first time uh, in 16 years. He's changed the whole club, the whole city. He's done a marvellous job and, yeah, def- definitely does deserve to, to be recognised for all of his uh, efforts at Leeds United. Really, really does. And, uh, yes, yeah, it's great to see him be, be named uh, amongst the likes of, you know, Jurgen Klopp. Uh, it's still unbelievable. Still can't believe it got Bielsa and the fact, that, you know, the fact that he's, you know, named amongst these greats. Uh, yeah, it's, it's really unbelievable. And by the way, Bielsa has now been at Leeds United longer than he's been at any club in his managerial career. 114 games managed at Leeds United now, which is insane. It's it's awesome. <laughs> it is good. It's um yeah, it's nice to be the Bielsa club because that's what we are now, aren't we? As as his, as his as his longest serving club he's been at. Yeah, yeah we are the Bielsa club. Sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry, Newells and Bilbao. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure the Newells fans won't particularly hear that comment, but yeah, I mean, obviously he's got a lot of love for Newells, but I think he's, as he was saying in his post-match interview, or pre or post-match, it's um, he's very comfortable and uh, and happy here, and I hope he stays for many more years to come. Yeah, so do I. So do I. <laughs> but uh, no, it's great that he's even nominated for, for awards like this. It's, it's really unbelievable. Um, and finally, the uh, City of Leeds uh, will be remaining in a tier three lockdown for the foreseeable future, unfortunately. So no Leeds United fans will be returning to Ellen Road anytime soon, unfortunately. Well, let's now have a look ahead to Leeds United's next game, which sees them take on Manchester United away at Old Trafford this Sunday. The game kicks off at 4.30pm. Uh, live on Sky Sports. Uh, it's the War of the Roses uh, in the Premier League for the first time in over 16 years. Uh, are you looking forward to this? <laughs> um, yeah, I am actually, weirdly. It's been a game that's been a long time coming. And I think if we can go out there and put on a really good performance, I think it'll be, uh, it'll be a huge morale booster for the rest of the season. I think it'll really get us uh, back on, you know, Newcastle game kind of put us back on track. But I think if we get any kind of result from it, a positive result, then I think we can we can crack on and get a few more points. I think it'll give us a big boost. I think it'll give the fans a big boost. Yeah, and I think it'll make the uh, the whole you know tier three thing a bit more bearable. Um, <laughs> certainly. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I'm a, I am actually looking forward to this one. Yeah, yeah. So am I. I'm I'm really looking forward to this. Just yeah, just to see us go up against uh, scum. Yeah, it's gonna yeah, it's gonna be amazing. I'm looking forward to this. I am also nervous as well though because scum do have some good players, particularly going forward with the likes of Marcus Rashford, who's got five goals this season, Bruno Fernandes, who's on seven goals this season, Marshall, Greenwood, Cavani, Pogba, just to name a few. You know, uh, some good attackers coming up against, you know, Liam Cooper. <laughs> you know, our, our defence is going to have to be on the top, top of their game. You know, it's going to be a tough job for them, isn't it? It's going to be a tough, tough afternoon. Um I hope they're up to it. I really do. And I hope we can just be solid enough and take our chances when they arrive. Because we know we're going to get chances. It's yeah. inevitable with the system we play. So I think we just have to be calm, you know, and uh, ready to, to take our chances when they come along and try and keep as solid as possible and not concede a crap corner to Harry Maguire. That would certainly put a damper on the afternoon. 
Yeah, yeah, that that certainly crossed my mind. You know, Harry Maguire at set pieces. He's really good at set pieces, Harry Maguire. He's very tall, very big. So, um, yeah, that, I'm kind of nervous about that side. But I think going forward against the Manchester United defenders, I think we'll have a lot of joy, to be honest. I think Manchester United's defenders will find it tough against Rafinha, Rodrigo, Harrison and Bamford running at them. I, I think we could have a field day against Harry Maguire and Lindelof, personally. Um, De Gea, David De Gea, though, the goalkeeper, is likely to return and replace uh, Dean Henderson in goal, unfortunately. David De Gea is, you know, the big goalkeeper. But um, no, I, I think we could have a lot of joy going forward. Yeah, potentially. We'll just have to be keep it, you know, fast moving, accurate passing. I think we'll, we can we can definitely hurt them because there's there's a lot of issues with them defensively, and there has been for a couple of seasons now. They, they seem to, even though they've got really expensive defenders, they just seem to still be making poor mistakes a lot of the time mm. and unnecessary poor mistakes, which I'm, I'm really hoping we can take advantage of. Yeah, hopefully. It's, it's certainly a, an interesting game. It's going to be very, very exciting. And yeah, I really am looking forward to it. Scum do go into the game in good form, though, after their 3-2 win away at Sheffield United on Thursday night. Uh, they're undefeated in six league games, just a one loss in nine league games. Uh, with Jaws coming against uh, Manchester City and Chelsea. Uh, despite a rocky start to the season, Scum are sixth on 23 points. Uh, overall, they've played 12 this season, won seven, drawn two and lost three. Uh, they're one point off the top four, so uh, yeah, Ole Sider will have one eye on the top four, I'm sure. It, there's a lot to play for in this game, isn't there, Charles? A lot to play for, for for Manchester United and Leeds, and you know, especially you know because it's a big rivalry, you know, bragging rights on the line. There's plenty to play for, isn't there, on Sunday? Yeah, well, it's not just that, but we need to, you know, solidify our position in mid-table. We want to be kind of mm. 10th, 11th, 12th, not 14th, 15th, 16th. So we need to be picking up points wherever we can. And <clears throat> I know it's a big occasion. I know it's the rivalry and it's the first game against them lot in a long time. But they need it for top four and we need it for just security. If we to win it, we're, we're halfway there, aren't we? We're halfway to pretty much get guaranteed survival. Nearly everybody survives on 40 points in the Premier League. So, uh that, that's that, that's our aim, and we've got to go into it like that. We need we need, we need the points, and, yeah. uh, and that's the end of it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, yeah, it'll be great to build on that Newcastle win, won't it? And you know, keep momentum building, keep the confidence high. You know, especially heading into this uh, busy, uh, festive period. Uh, now, moving on to Marcel Bielsa's pre-match press conference this week, uh, he revealed that there is no new injuries uh, again, which is fantastic. Bielsa, however, did politely decline to give any team news, but. Uh, are you expecting it to be unchanged here? Yeah. Yeah, I, I am. Nice and, and simple. Nice that, and simple uh, answer. Yes. <laughs> well, well, yeah, I am. I'm, I'm, I'm just hoping that the likes of, you know, Martial and, and Pogba and Marcus Rashford don't expose us, you know, in a bit of a makeshift defence as much as I suspect they may do. Bruno Fernandes as well. We know what he's like with his uh, incessant diving. And he's, he's a decent footballer as well. But, you know, the incessant diving is what you remember. It's like Jack Grealish. He's, he's not going to be remembered yeah. as a great footballer. He's going to be remembered as a cheat. And all the, <laughs> and all the penalties he wins. All the penalties he wins for scum. By the way, the referee for this weekend's game is Anthony Taylor, who's from... He's from Altrincham, yeah. Which is in Manchester. How dodgy is that? How dodgy is that? People say, "Oh yeah," but he's not a man. He's not. He's not a scum fan. He's like he's still from Manchester. People yeah, from Manchester from don't Lancashire. like people from Leeds. Like you know, yeah. uh, Salford fans and United of Manchester fans and you know, Oldham fans. They'll be thinking, all right, Manchester United do Lancashire proud here, you know. <laughs> so yeah, 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 I mean, dodgy. Even even the likes of Bolton and Blackburn both you know dislike Leeds because of the whole yeah. you know Rose's context, but it's just no, not great. Yeah, 
But uh, anyway, uh, and Anthony Taylor, I don't think he's a, he's a great manager, uh, great referee rather. Um, but yeah, I, I'm expecting it to be unchanged as well. 5-2 victory, yeah, there's no need to change a winning formula, you know, especially after such a you know a convincing victory. There's no need to change anything at all. Uh, Bielsa was also saying in his uh, press conference that uh, he understands the importance of the rivalry to the fans. Um, and he was also saying that he treasures the uh, the memories of winning 3-2 at Old Trafford with Athletic Bilbao in the uh, Europa League in 2012 with uh, 8,000 away fans there. Uh, and I was there uh, on a school trip and I remember that game really, really well. It was a Bielsa masterclass, you know, completely outplayed Manchester United on the pitch. Uh, so yeah, Bielsa already knows what it's like to win at Old Trafford. Uh, can he replicate that this weekend, do you think? He'll be in glorified company with Simon Grayson if he manages that feat. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I think it's I think it's possible. Are you asking me for a prediction now or are you just asking me for your, your thoughts on it? Yeah, go for it. Score prediction. I think it's going to be a high-scoring draw. I think it'll be a... I'm going to go 3-3. I'm going to go for a scintillating draw. Pro- proper, proper back and forth. I like it. I like it. I mean, going in, Leeds United have a dreadful record against Manchester United with... Only won 26 against them, drawn 35 and lost a whopping 46. Uh, Leeds United's last league victory at Old Trafford uh, was on the 28th of February 1981. So many, many years ago, uh, we won that game 1-0. Of course, our last, our last visit to Old Trafford there was, of course, January 3rd, 2010. We all remember that, FA Cup third round, 1-0 win, Jermaine Beckford scoring there. But yeah, I mean, I think, you know, a win... It's certainly not impossible here, but I would take a point. I take a point here right now, yeah, 100%. And I think it's going to be high scoring as well. You know, we're, we're not too great at defending. Manchester United aren't great at defending, but we're great attacking. You know, five goals midweek. Manchester United have some exciting forwards as well. So, I, I yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of goals. And I'm, I think high scoring draw as well. I'm going to go four all. Four, four. Back, back and forth. Exciting. <laughs> I think it's going to be That'll a be fantastic good. game. That, that that would definitely be first on match of the day, that. Yeah, <laughs> very much so, so. Very much so. But uh, yeah, I'm looking forward I'm to this. But you know, yeah, I think it's going to be high scoring. Uh, and yeah, I, I take a point. It's certainly an interesting game. It's going to be exciting. And uh, hopefully, Leeds United can pick up something on Sunday. Well, that brings us to the end of episode 81 of Your Things Leeds podcast. Uh, thank you very much, as always, Charles, for joining me remotely, of course. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it, mate. Hope you. Uh, have a good weekend uh, and thank you as well to uh, everyone who was uh, listened or watched. Uh, we really do appreciate it. Uh, make sure to subscribe or follow the podcast on whatever platform you are currently on. If you did enjoy it, of course, if you didn't enjoy it, then, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to listen again. Um, if you're listening on Apple podcast, make sure to give us a five-star rating. That'd be very much appreciated and uh, share the podcast around as well. Uh, it really does uh, help us out. Uh, make sure to follow all things leads on social media. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Search for all things leads one. On Twitter and Instagram, search Poor Things Leads on Facebook and on YouTube. Give us a subscribe on the YouTube channel as well. Uh, yeah, we really do appreciate the uh, support. Uh, Charles and I will be back next week uh, before Christmas. Uh, so until then, take care, stay healthy, stay safe, and we'll see you soon. <laughs>